This episode of Clothes Making Mavens is brought to you by Needle Sharp. Take the guesswork out of sewing with Needle Sharp's curated monthly kits that include everything you need to sew a beautiful garment. Visit needle-sharp.com. This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. And thanks for tuning in to Clothes Making Mavens. I'm Lori from frivolousatlast.com, and on today's episode, Helena and I have a wonderful chat with Sonetta Burwell, also known as the Mahogany Stylist. If you've seen her blog or followed her Instagram, you know that she is a very talented sewer. She makes beautiful clothes and she's very involved in the sewing community in Chicago where she lives. She is a sewing teacher. She is a member of the Haute Couture Club of Chicago. So we'll talk about all of that. And we'll also spend a little bit of time reflecting on the idea of if we could go back in time and give advice to our younger sewing self, what advice would we give? Now, whether we would have taken that advice or not, depending on how old your younger sewing self was, well, that remains to be seen. But there's plenty of good advice to go around and some that's really applicable, even if you've been sewing for a long time. So we hope you enjoy this interview. Here it is, Sonetta Burwell of The Mahogany Stylist. Sonetta, it's so great to meet you. Thanks, Helena, for setting this up. And thank you, Sonetta, for agreeing to be part of this. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It's great. Yeah, so it's always got, good to be able to talk about, you know, what we're passionate about, sewing and all the crafty kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, exactly. Can't get enough of talking about this sort of thing, for sure. Exactly. Sonetta, you have a beautiful blog. Your, the clothes you make are, are amazing, and I love following what you're up to, and I'm so inspired by it. But for those who maybe haven't seen your blog, The Mahogany Stylist, could you maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, well, as far as sewing is concerned, I started when I was about 10 years old, making clothes for my Barbie doll. And then about age 12, I um, was in middle school. And so you have to take like six weeks of sewing, six weeks of cooking, you know, to determine where you want to be by the time you get to the eighth grade. And so sewing has been in my family forever. You know, each side of my family, my paternal and maternal grandmothers, they sold a lot. And so I think some of that comes from them. And then, um, you know, that started, that started me there, just taking that one six week class, in addition to having so many sewers in my family. And um, I've been sewing for like 46 years. So that's quite a long time. <laughs> Nice. Um, you started nice. when you were it. minus six, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, trust me, it, it wasn't an easy start when it came to using a sewing machine and patterns. I think what really saved me is that I was a little bit fearless and I wanted to be able to have clothes that fit me. I was real tall and lanky. Nothing ever fit me. It was always way, way too big to get it long enough or it was too short. And so it was, uh, I guess, I wanted to have clothes that fit me well or close to fitting me well. And so mm -hmm. that, that really started me to sewing for myself. And right. it just grew Helene from there. Helene is nodding because she's tall too, so you can relate, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel yeah, you. It, yeah. it, it was really hard. You know, it's like, OMG. And everything looked like a bag on me. It's like, put a belt on it, oh. <laughs> you know, to hold it in place yeah. to give me some definition. So, um, like I said, from there, that's where it started. And then um, I started to sew for people because people started to notice that my clothes were kind of cute, different, you know, because you can pick your own fabric. You can do what you want to do with it, um, no holes barred. So um, I started off making real simple things for folks and then I started doing prom dresses, I think in my 20s, mid 20s, late late 20s and it just progressed from there. A lot of people wanted me to do evening wear and of course learning never ends. You know, I don't care what it is. It could be sewing, tech, technology, whatever. Learning never ends. So I have a, a huge library of books. Mm -hmm. I started buying the Singer books when I was younger. Now I have a plethora of books from 
all different sorts of people uh, specializing in whatever it is, jackets, couture sewing, what have you, fits. Um, I have a, a pretty nice library to help me out on different things. And so still, like I was at, at age 12, uh, I'm not that afraid to try new things. As a matter of fact, I welcome a challenge every now and again. And then, of course, all of us, you know, after we've worked on a, a very intricate project, we want something fast. We want mm -hmm. that t-shirt dress that takes two hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I do a lot of that as well, but I love couture sewing. I like making things that draw attention to your garments to say that it is something special, like bound buttonholes, hand-picked zippers, you know, things of that nature. So as far as the sewing part of it, that's basically it. I've never taken uh, really any formal classes other than that six-week class. Um, I was uh, a Palmer Pletch winner in 2012 uh, for rendition on a Palmer Pletch pattern. Nice. I think I have a little icon, thank you, on my blog for that. And then I became Sandra Betsina's um, ambassador also in 2012. So both of those winnings got me a trip to their respective locations. I went to uh, Portland, Oregon for Palmer Pletch, and then I went to California, San Francisco for the Sandra Betsina retreat. And so if you want to call formal education, I guess those retreats, I guess, will kind of be grouped in that kind of category. And then um, I'm a mood blogger. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, we know. It's very so exciting. I, I do blog from... Very jealous. <laughs> blog from mood. I mean, it's great to get that box of fabric every month. <laughs> I love it. We were wondering. Yeah. We were wondering. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to ask you whether... Um, I mean, it just sounds like a dream come true for mood to be sending you a package and ta-da, there's fabric. But do you ever feel like pressure to... Because they're expecting you to blog about it and to make something perfect. I mean, what if it doesn't go well? Yeah. You know what? It... it Sometimes it does feel that way. And when they first uh, offered me to come and be a part of that group, they're like, it's no pressure. Make whatever you want. It could be something that you like or whatever. And yes, you can do a review and say, this project didn't turn out too well. It was a wobbler or whatever. But you never want to say that because you're getting all this free fabric. And so you try. <laughs> you can't <laughs> play that card very often. And it's beautiful fabric. Right. You, you try yeah, to make yeah. it good. And so uh, sometimes the pressure does creep in when it shouldn't be any pressure. And then if you are a perfectionist of sort, like I am, you want it to be right. You want to be timely. You want to do the right thing. So it's like self-induced pressure. Mm -hmm. So I do do that to myself. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like, oh, it's not good enough. Uh, some things I don't post. I just post it on my blog and I just say that it's smooth fabric. Like right now I'm going through a series of things that, Weren't they great? Oh, yeah. So I didn't post them on, on the Mood uh, site, but I'm posting them on my uh, blog. And so um, I think I've been doing that for about five years now. So it's mm -hmm. been lucrative as far as fabric is concerned. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's like it's so easy in a sense that you don't necessarily have to go to a place to meet with anybody to talk about it. Every first of the month, my credit is on my account. I go to the website, look at the fabric, pick what I want, and they send it to me. So it's not that difficult at all. Every now and again, they might have something that they want us to do in particular, like want us to work with lace or want us to work with uh, African fabric, and they'll send an email. We want you to do this. This is like in addition. We want you to do this for the month of February. Go to the mm -hmm. site, pick your fabric. We're going to send it to you. So... It's really, really easy to uh, be a mood blogger. And I know a couple of people is like, I wish it was me. I wish it was me. <laughs> and um, right now, right now, I think uh, quite a few people have kind of um, pulled out because they do feel like it's restrictive. You know, they feel like sometimes like today I might be thinking about making shirts and then tomorrow I might be thinking about making a coat. But the shirts are with mood fabric, and I don't want to do that right now. Mm -hmm. And so some people feel like I don't want to be wedded to that just to get the, the fabric allowance every month. But I haven't come to that place yet, so maybe it'll happen for me later. Um, 
I'm also a member of the whole Couture Club of Chicago. I've been a member since 2009. Ooh, what's that? Uh, it's, it's a wonderful club. It's been in existence for like 53 years. And they actually found me. Several of the members have been reading my blog. And um, mm -hmm. I think... Everyone reads your blog, <laughs> Sonetta. And people, <laughs> Just people so you know. say, I read, but I don't comment. I'm like, it's okay. You know, if you find something interesting there or something that helps you through a project, that's fine. You don't have to comment. But, you know, comments are welcomed. And so um, the, I think the vice president for membership contacted me. She sent me an email and invited me to come to a meeting. And that's when I joined. And so since that time, 2009... I have served on the board. We have about nine meetings per year. We have two luncheons, one in the spring and one at Christmas time. And each month that we have a meeting, we have a presenter. So we've had people uh, from Project One Way come in. Uh, Kenneth King has been there. Um, Susan Kalji. We've had a plethora of different individuals to come in and give uh, a talk. And then some people do a workshop like the following weekend. It might be a two-day workshop. So it is so fun oh, to wow. be a member, you know, because you have access to many different people that are in the sewing community. Um, you have contacts. We have workshops. It's just fun. Oh, that sounds great. Can you help me set up a chapter here in Toronto? And I'm sure Helena would like one in Murrieta. amazing. <laughs> really? Yeah. You would like to do that? Oh, I, I don't want to set <laughs> yes. it up, but I want to go. <laughs> Calling volunteers to set this up. It, yeah. I can get you information right, right. about the start of the club and um, how you can go about it. Gotcha. Sure. Uh, a couple of my other friends in different places, they're like, I'm so jealous. I wish we had something like this. I yeah. said, it's, n it's not your, um, and nothing against the uh, ASG. It's like, it's not your quilters group. Not American at all. American Sewing Guild. Yeah. Right. These, these ladies, the, these ladies want to do couture sewing or they want to do, make garments that fit them well. You know, they want to, they really do want to learn something about fashion. You know, we've had all kinds of people come in to talk yeah. about fashion. So we don't talk about quilting. Not at all. <laughs> we, yeah, we really don't. Um, it's interesting to think about how lucky some of us are, including myself and, and you, Sonetta, in Chicago. And Helena, you're not far from Los Angeles and San Diego, that we have resources. We have other sewers we can meet up with. We've got fabric shops available, clubs and those sort of things. And I know that we talk to a lot of people online who feel like they're very solitary in their, um, you know, possibly <laughs> remote location or even not so remote, but just not that many sewing resources around. So, yeah, so Chicago really does have some some great resources and I was actually lucky enough to visit Chicago just uh was it last month right. yeah in October it's such a great city yeah. I've been there a few times and I love it this yeah. time okay I want to say I participated in the Chicago Marathon uh but that's a bit of a lie Whoa. because <laughs> what <laughs> because I was actually heading back to the airport on the day of the marathon and our hotel like we were walking from our hotel to the to the subway or to the um to the train and uh, I had to cross through the, the route. So somebody there said, yeah, you can cross, but what you have to do is sort of wait for a break and then go diagonally and make sure you go at the speed that the runners are going. So I had my little rolly suitcase and I'm jogging along through the, you know, to cross the street. And it was right. like, hey, did I just ran in the Chicago Marathon. So. Nice. For five seconds, right? For five seconds. So I'm st that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Do it. It's okay. not easy to get into the Chicago Marathon. So you should definitely, you should definitely fly. I found it high, really easy, actually. It was a cinch. So <laughs> I work. want no parts of it. It's just too big of a challenge. <laughs> right, right. Sonata, you know, I was watching your interview with uh, Dawn and Myra from That Sewing Blab, such a wonderful live show. And uh, you can watch the episodes on, on YouTube. And those two are terrific. Uh, but mm -hmm. there's something you mentioned there 
which I thought was so cute. You, uh, you were saying how much you look up to June Cleaver. And maybe for our younger <laughs> listeners who maybe don't know who June Cleaver is, she was the, uh, the mother and the housewife on a very popular TV show from the late 50s, early 60s called Leave It to Beaver, which was mm-hmm. running in reruns throughout my childhood. I watched it. It seems right. like I watched it Me every too. day. And June Cleaver. So anyway, tell us a little bit about June Cleaver and why, why she's one of your style icons. I just love June Cleaver. I mean, she would be in the kitchen cooking with a full skirt dress on and a string of pearls. Not a hair out of place. I was like, wow. (laughs) All the time. Um, You know, I I like vintage, for one. And I like vintage TV. And so she was just perfect all the time. And she was the mother that always had great advice. She was very, very stylish. She wasn't the the woman in the back, (laughs) you know, she really had a presence in the family Mm. and I I just like her style, Mm. you know, very, uh, ladylike, um, feminine. Yeah. Feminine. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say so much liberated because she wasn't house, a housewife, but I like the way she interacted with her husband. Um, and I like the way she just dressed. Mm. And so the, the flip side of that was uh, The Career Girl, which was Julia Baker, another uh, sitcom mm-hmm. from uh, like the 70s, because she was a career woman and she was beautiful and had her own condominium. So that's kind of how I am, kind of like in the middle. Right. I love home economics. I love taking care of the home having parties, looking cute, even if you're tired. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I could see elements from, from both of those. And you're, I mean, certainly you um, you make some beautiful dresses. The dresses right. are stunning. I mean, yeah. everything you make, I think, is stunning. There's, there's no you. doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely that feminine element to it, but also... Um, no fuss, in a sense. You know, you've got a, right. you've got a really great style. How do you describe your style? Um... I want to say it's um, a little bit of classic, a little bit of vintage. Every now and again, I throw in a little bit of pizzazz. Um, I say classic because I don't like necessarily trendy, although I Mm -hmm. may have a trendy element in uh, a piece that I make, but I like well-made garments. I like them to fit well. And I like them to wear wear well. One of the things that I teach when I'm teaching sewing is like, you don't want to fight with your clothes. When I put on that dress, I want to slide on that dress and not have to, you know, mm-hmm. adjust mm-hmm. all the time. And I want to feel confident in whatever it is that I'm wearing. So I would say classic. Um, if it's something dressy, of course, I want it to be elegant. Um a more uh, traditional. I do like a flair of vintage. You mm-hmm. know, I, I love classic TV. I that, That's some of my inspiration. I like movies from the 30s, 40s, and 50s because I think those ladies, they dress to the nine all the time and it's, it was just beautiful. It's something that I think um, society, we as women has have lost. Um, we don't wear pants or trousers anymore. Like Catherine Hepburn, I love the way her pants laid. I love that she would have on a suit. It just laid beautifully. Um, we wear leggings and jeans all the time. And I had a grandmother. Guilty as charged. Yeah, I'm here in a sweatshirt. I'm actually wearing a fleece sweatshirt that I made and uh, skinny jeans. I have a hoodie on. You've got a hoodie on. Helena, you've got a lovely cardigan. But yeah, we're, we're definitely dressed And I have comfort. sweatpants on. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's November. Yeah. It's right. It's, it's, it's right. not only that. It's that when I go shopping, if I don't go to... You know, a lot of times I go to get inspiration in department stores. If I don't go to Nordstrom's or Macy's, you don't really see slacks. You know, and I can remember in the 80s and the 90s, you saw slacks and they were fully lined, uh, beautifully done on the inside as well as the outside. Mm -hmm. And you don't see that a whole lot. And I'm still kind of stuck there because I do like um, well-made pants or trousers, if you want to call them. Um, and I, I just think that society has got away, gotten away from looking nice. We we do a lot of fashion, fashion for everything, mm-hmm. even for work. 
Um, And so, like you were talking about the different things that I wear, um, I had gotten a, a Facebook note one time. I had posted a dress or something that I had made. It was for an event. And the person said, um, where do you wear these clothes? Like, it was unbelievable. I said, well, I have a pretty full life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I work. And when I did training or taught something new about our application, typically I wore a jacket, slacks, and a button-down shirt. Sometimes I would wear a dress and a jacket. But um, I would have to travel between the campuses. So I wanted to look a certain way. I wanted so people to take... what sort of work were you doing, Sonetta? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, functional support for applications and research administration. Okay. Uh, I worked for the University of Illinois. We have five, had five campuses, Chicago, Peoria, Rockford, Urbana, and Chicago. And so I didn't work for any specific location, but I was located in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I did things, webinars, but a lot of times if I was presenting new technology to the stakeholders or whomever, I would have to go in person, you know, and do a presentation. And so, you know, I wanted people to take me serious. So I look a certain way. And so I sold a certain type of things for work. Then I go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, my church is kind of old school. People still dress up yeah. to go to church. Um, and then we, I have events, I have social groups, I belong to a book club, um, I belong to a travel group. And so, you know, your life kind of dictates the kinds of things that you'll, that you'll make to me. Mm-hmm. So I tell everybody, you know, be in your whatever comfort zone it is that, that you need to be in to, to do your sewing. You know, don't make stuff that you're not going to wear. But you want your things to be well made. And so that's, I rest on that. Oh, I agree. Yeah. So, so what are some of your favorite pieces then? Uh, I think there's so many favorite pieces that I have from your blog. So <laughs> what are yours? Because you could what probably narrow it down pieces, a little better. Um, I'll, I'll say in the last couple of years, how about that? <laughs> sure. That's a good idea. You've been blogging <laughs> for, for 10 years or something, right? Um. Yeah, I think one of them, I think it's a, the sewing blab used one of the photos for that dress. It's like a maroon brocade floral dress that I made. Mm -hmm. That's one Mm -hmm. of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll post a link to to that on our show notes so so our listeners (laughs) can ogle. What do you love about it? What do I love about it? That was a um, Valentino-inspired dress. When you look on my blog, you'll see the blog post, and I put up several dresses that um, mimic how I put the trim on the dress. And so <clears throat> that was for a pastoral banquet. And so that was, you know, the dress that I wanted to make for that particular event. Yeah. Another one is a A-line lace dress. It's red. Um, I made that one, I think, in 2012. I don't think there's a picture of me wearing it, but it is posted on my blog. Um, as far as coats, I, I just, I love all the coats that I've made <laughs> for myself throughout the years. Um, most recently, I made a tan yeah. coat uh, where I did bound buttons. Mm-hmm. I wow. fully uh, interfaced the insides of the coat. It's very structured in a sense, and it's very warm. So I would think those few pieces uh, most recently are some of my favorites. Of course, I love the comfort clothes. (laughs) Yeah. Coat sounds like it's great for the Chicago winters. Yes, yes. And we've already had temperatures like in the teens. Can you believe it? I can't. Yeah, I'm up here in Toronto. (laughs) We had a big snowfall last night and it's actually up above freezing again. So it's melting. But yeah, winter is definitely here. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Helena, cheer us up from down there from sunny California. (laughs) It is going to be 76 here today. It is so beautiful today. Um, But I, it, it gets cold in the at night, so it's not like I, it's all always. Oh, yeah, and we, I we know. We get it to break so out our sweaters and stuff. It's yeah. so cold. I'm so yeah. sorry oh, yeah, for I you. Know. <laughs> like 50 degrees Thank cold, Thank right? You. Donations accepted <laughs> for me. Uh, all right. So we should take a moment to uh, 
mention our wonderful sponsor, Needle Sharp. Helena, tell us about what Needle Sharp does. So Needle Sharp arranges these beautiful boxes that include everything that you need to make a project. So you do not need to gather all your supplies and it is such a great sewing resource. And I am especially excited about the current box that just got released yesterday is for jeans. And I mean, there's nothing better than someone collecting all those bits and bobs for jeans for you, the right length of zipper, the right rivets, the right denim that is quality enough to stretch with you, but also stand up, you know, so you don't get baggy knees and stuff. I think that is an extremely, uh, extremely handy box and and resource to to try out. So they have um, four different patterns, I think, available this time. And they did just decide to release a curvy box. So they are making sure that they're um, size inclusive in and I really love that too because uh, that is needed yeah yeah Mary curates such amazing boxes and great fabric choices and I mean who doesn't love a kit I'm just putting it out there to the universe right now since holiday season is coming up kits for making anything extremely welcome especially if they're from needle sharp yeah yeah please please purchase them for me (laughs) (laughs) so check it out at needle-sharp.com Sonetta, one of the reasons we invited you to be on the podcast, I mean, aside from you being an incredible uh, figure in the sewing community uh, and and doing such amazing work, is uh, we wanted to tap into a bit of your wisdom (laughs) and have a discussion amongst ourselves about what we might, what kind of advice we might tell our younger sewing selves. And I wondered what what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. Well, um... If I look at it from my perspective, my younger sewing self, uh, one of the things that I would have changed is my level of patience. (laughs) I was not patient. I wanted things to happen just like that, really fast. So Um, check it out at uh, needlesharp.com. My skills weren't, didn't dictate just like that. Um, So as far as the creative aspect of me, Um, If I wasn't looking at a pattern or using a pattern, I could just think of all kinds of ways to make things and to make things different. When I used a pattern, I felt like the pattern was the gospel. The instructions, everything about it was the gospel. Unbeknownst to me, at that age, I didn't think a book, a pattern, or anything could have an error in it. You, You know, that it... It just is not perfect. And so I would get frustrated and kind of stuck there because it wasn't working out the same way the guide sheet was explaining for me. So one of the things that I would change is to think outside the box more when you use a commercial pattern. The commercial pattern is only a guide to help you get from point A to point B. You don't have to use every single thing that's in that guide sheet. You can do some things differently. That's where all of the sewing books and manuals come in because one of my books I call the sewing bible is my Vogue sewing book. Mm -hmm. It has every single Mm -hmm. technique that you could imagine trying in that book and I'm assuming that probably the pattern folks pulled different pieces of that information into the patterns. And of course, sometimes they make a mistake. So Mm -hmm. I would say, Mm -hmm. think outside the box. You're not wedded to that guide sheet. Be as creative as you want to be. And uh, be patient. You have to be patient with the process. It's not something, especially if you're new, that you need to get done immediately. You know, you have time to think about it, to be creative, and don't frustrate yourself. Because I used Mm. to get frustrated a lot. And when you're frustrated like that, you get stuck. Um, My old self is a lot like my new self when it comes to understanding that learning is forever. Um, Mm -hmm. If I would get stuck and I really wanted to get something done, my best friend's mom, she sold. She lived next door. I just grab up all of my stuff. And run over to her house and say, Miss Reed, can you help me, please? She would. 
Oh, if only we all had a Miss Reed next door. Now, <laughs> my my uh, grandmother, my father's mother, she sold everything. Uh, I would call her. I would talk to her. She was a well of knowledge, so she helped me on many things too. You can't be afraid uh, to ask people for help. And a lot of people think that means you're dumb or you're stupid or whatever. I know a lot of young people think like that. Doesn't mean that at all. As a matter of fact, you are a little bit smarter than the average when you seek out that help that you need. (laughs) When you recognize that you're at a stopping point and you need someone to take you over that hurdle to get you to the next point. Yeah, can I? So. I'm just gonna tell you a little story about my nephew, sure. uh, knowing that he'll never listen to this podcast, so he won't know <laughs> that I'm embarrassing him here. Uh, okay. But you know, he's about 19, and he's he's staying here with me for the summer, and we needed like a little vestibule painted. And I said, you know, I'm gonna get you to paint this. He's like, sure. And I said, okay. Do you need me to show you how to do this? And he's like, no. And so <laughs> I said, okay. Well, start with the, start with the base coat, right? And then he's in there for hours and it's a small room. And I thought, what is he like? He hasn't finished the base coat yet. And he had basically taken the base coat and was trying to cover up the green sheetrock, like drywall stuff. So it looked perfect with the base coat. So he had gone over it and over it and over it. And I just kind of laughed. I went in there. And I'm like, oh, so you did need me to show you how to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, but it's, it's just kind of an illustration of, you know, we want to feel like we're confident, we're cool, we know what we're doing. But exactly. man, it just saves so much time and headache to, to ask someone. And people are always happy to help in the sewing community, right? Exactly. Yeah, I sometimes, you know, folks, they won't ask in a comment, they'll send me an email, and that's fine, too. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll Mm -hmm. send me an email and ask me a question about something. Um, They'll send me, they'll message me on Facebook, or what have you. And any medium, any way you want to do it is fine. Because I feel like, too, I need to pay it forward, because so many people have inspired me that are in the sewing community that are on social media. I've learned so many things. Um, I, I'm on Instagram all the time, and people do like these mini tutorials, and they're great. Sometimes they're, they, they may not be uh, the best for a newbie because you need some additional information, but for somebody that has been sewing for a while, is really great. Um, a lot of them, they don't speak English. And so I just watched a speed it up video or the um, 10 photos that they post to show you how to do a particular thing. So I'm on Instagram all the time searching sewing tutorials, you know, things of oh. that nature. I'm going to try that. Yeah. That's cool. I'm sure that you have a lot more advice to give your younger self or other sewists uh, who are starting out. But let me let me just turn it over to Helena. What uh, what were you like as a young sewer starting out? I know that your mom was a seamstress, right? So yeah, certainly in the family. So I never asked for help. So <laughs> I feel <laughs> Netta. She uh, I am. I think that's a really good good advice because it's a, it's a little tricky with your mom because she's your mom. And so it's not like, you know, there's other things at play. And some people do like to learn, like by figuring it out, it's going to stick in their head more. Mm -hmm. So I think in some ways that was me, but in other ways it was the impatience. And, um, you know, I do it myself, kind of like a two-year-old, except I was like, you know, 12 and 14. And, um, (laughs) So I would, I would still like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. And I wanted the, the, um, the product. I was not a process sewer at that time. I wanted the product. I also was tall. Um, I still have kind of, um, uh, like PTSD. I say that in jest about, um, about things being too short for me all the time. And so I do not like mm-hmm. anything that's even slightly too short. So these cropped pants that are in style right now, I want to try this style and I, and I am inching towards it, but I haven't quite gone there yet because I still am like, why would I purposely wear shorts or pants that are too short for me <laughs> when I did that my entire adolescence right. and even in my 20s? Without wanting to. Yeah, without yeah. wanting to. So, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That style is so popular here in Toronto, and I'm sure you've seen it in Chicago too, Sonetta. Yes, and I'm, that's why I laugh. And I see women going around with the short pants, no socks, and shoes, mm-hmm. and it's... 
you know, blowing snow. And I'm thinking, okay, I think the hospitals are going to start to see uh, cases of frostbitten ankles like they've never seen before in a long time. (laughs) Helena, I have to laugh because I feel the same way when I started seeing people with the crop pants. It's like, why in the world would you want to do that? (laughs) You know, I started saying, it's like, that has been my struggle all my life with buying ready to wear that they're always two inches too short. And, I'm going to pipe uh, in mm-hmm. as the short person here in the in the conversation <laughs> and say that I have fully embraced the short pants new trend. And uh, yeah, but I always had to take up all of my pants because uh, yeah. they were always two, two inches too long. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel your pain in the other direction. <laughs> right, right. How right. tall actually I are know. you, Sonetta? I'm 5'9", but I'm a little bit short-waisted. I have a lot of leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <I'm> nice. <laughs> That's a nice problem to have. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Helena, yeah. you were talking about the patience thing. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't iron. So I would not iron in, in between my steps, and I think that would have improved so much of my sewing. Oh, yeah. And it's not – it's not because my mom didn't show me and it's not because the iron wasn't right there because my mom is a seamstress for a living. So she always had an ironing board and an iron set up for me at all times. I just never took the time to iron in between my steps. And I think that is a, a tip that I would tell beginner sewists that isn't so very personal to me. I think it, in general, ironing in between your steps, ironing as much as possible is going to make your sewing look so much better. Yeah. And it's, that's one of those easy things for a beginner to go, oh, well, like, what's the point of that? That just seems like a waste of time. I just want to keep sewing. Um, And I Mm -hmm. certainly was like that too, but it really does make a huge, huge difference in the outcome of the garment and also ease of sewing. I mean, if you pre-press, you know, a a Mm -hmm. fold or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How about you, Lori? You know, it's funny because I was thinking about this and I thought about how much sewing, becoming good at sewing is is a long process and you kind of can't, I don't know if you can really kind of speed things up. I mean, it's nice to learn tips from other people, but you sort of have to go through it yourself. Like someone could have told me, don't forget to press between everything. And I would have been like, yeah, whatever. So <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I would tell my younger self just, do what you're doing because everything, even the total disasters and the total waters are part of your journey to figuring it all out. Um, And you kind Mm -hmm. of can't take shortcuts. I know that sometimes when you read, say, um, forums on various crafting sites, like it might be Ravelry for knitting or on a sewing forum, I just want this to turn out perfectly. Like, how do I get there? I really want to make this really difficult thing. And there isn't much you can say about that other than, you know, maybe you shouldn't make this really difficult thing right now. You need to, it has to be a process to get there and you've Mm -hmm. got to figure some things out and you've got to make mistakes along the way. And then you'll suddenly find yourself at that level being able to to do it. But there isn't really a sort of a magic wand that can kind of, well, here's tip number one, two, and three, and now you're good. Go ahead and make that really tough Mm -hmm. thing, right? Yeah, I I feel like that is especially true with fabric, fabric and pattern pairing. Yes. It's just a process that um, you have to you have to mess some things up sometimes and and learn from it and learn from it and learn from it and then they'll come out with new fabrics or you'll get interested in new fabric and then you have to learn it all over again so yeah it's just forever yeah you have to make a bunch of garments in the wrong fabric and chuck them out mm-hmm. like you just kind of have to yep. right and then That's you start right. to learn yeah yeah right I like it's both sad. of those points <laughs> that you guys made. Uh, the one about the process, as you said, Lori, you know, it's it's no fast way to it. Um, you do have to just consider it a journey and go along with the process and not say, you know, oh, I want to do well pockets right after you've just learned how to do a patch pocket. You know, it's it's not that mm-hmm. simple. You have to um, it's a graduated process. You have to take your time and hone your skills. And as you said, Helena, now there were, you brought back memories for me when you talked about the pressing, because sometimes I would want to skip steps. And I did skip steps with the pressing in between. And as a result of me doing that, I recognized the difference in how it looked. When you're in class, 
or you're at Mrs. Reed's house and she's going to make you follow <laughs> the steps. <laughs> right. You see the difference, you know, when you decide, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just going to do two more steps and then I'll go press. Um, mm-hmm. Not the best way to approach. So those are two very good points. And I'm going to um, put that on my list to talk to my students about, especially the mm. newbies. <laughs> yeah. So. And I was yeah, thinking about yeah. taking classes and how much, uh, so, so I'm a professor, that's my, my day job. And, mm-hmm. uh, recently I signed up to go to a, a workshop on preparing, uh, effective group work exercises and everybody hates group work and all of that stuff. And I signed up and then I was sort of sorry I did on the day of, I'm like, oh, I've got to go to this workshop and I'm sure I'm not going to get anything out of it. I've been teaching for 20 years, blah, blah, blah. But of course I got a ton out of it and you have to keep renewing, um, uh, you know, your skills and, and going to classes, even as a more advanced sewist, I find I always pick something up, even if I think that I'm not going to, but it's a, I go for the social aspect anyway, and B, I always learn some new trick or someone's got a slightly different way of doing something. Or even the, um, a couple of years ago, I went to a class and, uh, I find if it's a three hour class and you're trying to get something done, I start to really kind of speed through it. And I was pressing my fabric like a mad woman. <laughs> and the, the instructor came up to me and she's like, Lori, you really need to back off on that. Because I was totally stretching it out of, out of shape. You know, <laughs> I was pushing that iron around on that fabric. And she's like, just press it down. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I know that. And I knew that. But I was kind of lost in my own thing. So I think that's always great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Classes, um, classes and just seeing how other people do things also emphasize different things. So like you were saying, um, Lori, she she really thought that it was important to press in a certain way. And you know this in your head, but then when it gets emphasized, you're like, yeah, that is something I'm going to take to heart because there are a lot of little tips and a lot of little pieces in our brains after sewing for a certain amount of time. Or if you're really passionate about it, even in a short time, you've learned a lot of tips, but they aren't you know, all on an even playing field as far as um, what's important to do mm-hmm. and what's important for the the finished project. And so it's interesting to get other people's perspective on that for sure. Mm-hmm. When you mentioned that learning thing, Lori, in class, you made me think about um, Patty Palmer when she told me that I had won the five-day workshop. And she she and I talked on the phone. She was like, but what can we teach you? I said, a lot. Oh. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you must and, have been so thrilled when you won that. I That's was. Great. And, and sure enough, her and Marta, oh, Marta Alto is the best. Oh, my God. They taught so many, many lessons. You know, even though I've been sewing for half of forever, I always learn something when I go to a workshop or a speaker comes in and teaches something. I always learn something. Like Rhonda and Susan Kalji did a like workshop on detailed things like hook and eyes, how you can make those look pretty with the thread and attaching them to your garments. And then how you can use Petersham ribbon as a facing on a skirt or a pair of pants and how you could just iron it into the shape that you want. I didn't know that before I went there. Mm. And this oh, was like yeah. three, mm-hmm. four years ago when they did this look like little mini session. So there's always something new to learn. And then sometimes you may have read in a book or um, had it like many, many years ago and you kind of forgot it. You put it in the back of your mind and then you go to some session where you're doing something in particular and there it is again. So, you know, you're relearning it, but it's good. You know, I think that I really feel like learning is lifelong no matter what it is. And I don't care how much of an expert you are. There's always something new to learn. Mm-hmm. Always Agreed. something new to learn. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I do feel like I need to see a technique like five times before it sinks in. You, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm not the, the one that's like, oh, of course, I will take that to my grave and I have perfected it. I, yeah, uh, yeah I, I have to practice it. And it really almost has to go into muscle memory mm-hmm. in some of those things mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, that before they're really, they're really mm-hmm. learned. That is really. something I could add to um, repetition. I am a kinetic learner. I learn by looking a lot at how Mm -hmm. it's done. I mean, you can explain Mm -hmm. it. I read it 
reading it is very, very helpful. But when I can actually see an illustration of that, that is wonderful. And then on top of that, when I want to perfect something, that's why I did the whole shirt project last year. I said I wanted to have crisp collars and I want that collar stand to be perfect on either side. So repetition mm -hmm. creates that perfection for me. So I made seven shirts, you know, and then I started mm -hmm. to feel more comfortable with that. Once I just repeated, repeated, and then I referred to one of my Sandra Batsina books that teaches you how to make a one piece collar. And so I put a tutorial on my blog because it might help someone else mm -hmm. with doing that same thing. So the, the practice, 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 that's something that I do as well to teach myself to reinforce what I've read or what I've seen to incorporate that in my sewing practices. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's so clever. I need to do that because I definitely am, um, you know, the shiny, the next new shiny thing mm -hmm. um, as far as patterns. So, I mean, I, I won't even, I'm not even done with the project that I'm working on. And I'm like, well, the next one is this and the next one's this and the next one's this. So I got my next three lined up. Mm -hmm. um, and I have definitely thought that that would be a really wise thing to do is just put my head down mm -hmm. and do several of the same project and really commit, especially with a tricky technique like collars. Mm -hmm. Like it's completely, I haven't even with the collars. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't. My my first attempt didn't turn out perfectly. Surprise, surprise. And I haven't touched it since. So I'm like, okay, well, that's... On to the next thing. That's not... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shiny that's thing. That's me too. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I love that advice. Yeah. It's funny. I'm hearing our advice and I'm picturing myself as my younger sewing self, like maybe at age... Oh, so, so I started sewing maybe at age... 10, 11 when my mom was sewing and she taught me. But then I didn't come back to it again until I was sort of early 20s and then I sort of left it and came back and left it and came back. Um, but I'm picturing myself as my early 20s sewing self. And what I'm hearing from the three of us is be patient. Uh, mm -hmm. You have to take your time. Uh, and I'm just picturing my 21-year-old self rolling my eyes going, yeah, as whatever. if I'm going to do that, whatever. <laughs> as if <laughs> but I mean I think there's obviously there's a lot of wisdom around these microphones and uh mm. and it's true but it's kind of just you kind of come to it in your own way yeah. right you come to it when you come to yeah. it yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. when you are sick of throwing <laughs> throwing things out is one of them you've got really beautiful fabric from mood that you do not want to mess <laughs> yes. up this time you can gift it to someone but I I tell you people um I know I think Sometimes they may be a little bit confused or have a misunderstanding about levels of sewing and your success rate. Even though I've been sewing for most of my life, I still make mistakes. I, things mm -hmm. still hit the can, I'm telling you. They do. <laughs> uh, sometimes I still don't get the pattern fabric match perfect. And so that's going to happen. Uh, some folks, they become um, disinterested in the whole process because they've had a couple of failures. You cannot. It's like anything else. Uh, you're going to have trial, trials and errors, and you just got to keep trying. You got to keep trying. And um, it'll, it'll help you. It, it will grow you. It will strengthen you. You just cannot give up. Um, one thing I can say that sewing is definitely therapeutic. It is a solitary hobby, sport, or whatever you want to call it, but it is definitely sport. therapeutic. Uh, it reduces my stress significantly when I would be on that highway driving back and forth between the campuses. Um, exhausting, but I, I thank God for my two days at work at home because I could work at home on Tuesday and Friday, and in between that, I could cut something out or... So start to sew something together. And that was my comfort zone. So nice. um, for me, uh, I would also say, you know, if you not let it frustrate you, it can definitely be your therapist. And so mm -hmm. instead of paying somebody $150 a week for a session, <laughs> you can be shopping. You could spend 
you can spend $150 on fabric instead. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if it's cheaper than therapy per se. It probably isn't actually, but Depending. it's maybe a yeah. lot more fun. Exactly. <laughs> Sonetta, you know, I was reading on your blog, uh, this this might be, um, maybe it's the most unusual thing you've made. I don't know, you tell me, but I noticed that you made an umbrella. You sewed your own umbrella and it was yeah. a Black Panther umbrella, which is super cool. Can you tell us about that? Actually, actually, um, that was one of the challenges of the whole couture club. Oh, one of, one of wow. our members, she decided to put in the fashion show the year before she had made this umbrella and a bag to go with. And so Rhonda thought that was just the greatest thing. And so she decided, Rhonda said, okay, we're gonna have a challenge. Um, we have these kits and they brought the kits to the club meeting. Your kit is, I think the kits were like $50. You had to go out and buy your own fabric. Everything was in your kit other than the fabric. And she said, this is gonna be one of the segments in the fashion show. And so I was like, okay, give me a kit because I like trying new things. Mm -hmm. And so it was just, it was just fun. It's a fun project. It didn't take that long to do. And you get this little booklet and you just follow it. Take your time. Be patient. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> no. Did you have a hard time finding, I suppose you need some kind of nylon, right? Or did you waterproof the fabric? Or what sort of fabric do you, do you use for an umbrella? A actually, I bought, um, it's like a quilter's cotton. And then I used uh, a nylon, um, I guess like a lining fabric for the inside. Oh, okay. Uh, but some folks, mm -hmm. they didn't do that. They kind of flat fell their seams so you wouldn't have the raw edges on the inside. But I have two layers. I, I did it like you would line a dress or line a coat. And then you buy the waterproofing spray. Of ah, course, you okay. have to go outside and you spray it down a couple of times, uh, let it dry, spray it down again, and you're good to go. Like Scotch Guard kind so of. So that's cool. really cool because that gives a lot of options. Um, I mean, if you're just using quilting cotton, I mean, think of all the really great prints you can get with that. That's exactly. That's neat. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it was about um, eight of us who took the challenge. I think the the members of the club is like 250. Not everybody participates, but you know, I like new and different things so i'm willing to try even some crafty stuff nice yeah That's and i also cool. wanted to ask you about you made a, a sequined <laughs> dress for your sister which just knocked my <laughs> socks off I oh, yeah. loved yeah. it. And I thought, well, this is our November 2018 episode. And so the holiday season is upon us and mm -hmm. dresses and glamour and all of that. Um, do you mm -hmm. have tips for uh, sewing with sequins? Um, sewing with sequins is relatively easy. I use an embroidery needle and um, sometimes it could be difficult to move on your sewing machine. So this this is a tip that I learned from Anne from Gorgeous Fabrics. Because mm -hmm. I was sewing mm -hmm. uh, another evening dress for my sister that had Malar dots on it. And the gunk or the glue or whatever kept getting on the needle and it was skipping stitches. So what I do for sequence or anything like that is I cut strips of wax paper. And I lay it on top. I guess it acts kind of like a Teflon foot and then it mm -hmm. cleans the needle when it comes through it cleans the gunk or the glue or whatever catching catches onto the needle to cause the stitches to skip it pulls it off mm -hmm. and so I just have all the strips lined up as I, I sewing the seams that's my best tip for sewing uh, good seams on sequence fabric and then the other thing that you want to do sometimes I've taken the sequence off in the seam but what else you could do is kind of like bend it bend the sequence that are caught in the middle of the seam bend them down flat so the seam will be flat mm -hmm. um, oh okay good so I don't have the patience to be taking all my sequins out I gotta tell you yeah so. that's the that, that's the usual advice, right, is to actually snip off all of the sequins along the seam line. And I thought the same thing. I thought, 
I'm more of the speed sewer type. And, so mm-hmm. and you can even take a, um, a rubber mallet. You know, if you don't want to sit there and press with your hand, you can take a uh-huh. rubber mallet and kind of hammer them down so that they are flat. Now, uh, I had made a gold top for myself a few years ago. It was sequins. I sat there and took all those sequins out. I was like, this is murder. But then... <laughs> yeah, I wondered. <laughs> for, my, for my sister's dress, I just pressed them down. And it was so simple. Okay. It was such a simple dress. There weren't a lot of seams. It was on a, um, a knit a kind of mesh fabric. So uh, mm-hmm. knit can be very forgiving. So basically, I just had the seam that was around the neck and the two side seams, and I hemmed it. Uh, I lined it with uh, Trico, so mm-hmm. you wouldn't have that scratchy mm-hmm. feeling. She really appreciated that. Yeah. She loves that mm-hmm. dress. As a matter of oh, fact, I okay. bet. What a lucky sister. Yeah, yeah. I know. She, she modeled that one in our fashion show. So, nice. you know, she's okay. one of my principal okay. models because believe it or not, um, I don't particularly like modeling. You know, I get myself ready to do it in the fashion show, like my my photo shoots. Sometimes it takes me and my daughter forever <laughs> to get it done, but we get it done. <laughs> but my sister loves it. So it's like she's one of my principal models. I'm always going to make two or three things for her to model on the fashion show for me. And that was one oh, of the things nice. she did this year. Yeah. Yeah. And with yeah. sequins, I mean, you don't want to have an elaborate design to the pattern. Exactly. You know, this was just a really simple sheath dress. And that's exactly. just you, you just let the sequin fabric speak for itself. Exactly. Right? As a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to make um, this jacket. Uh, I don't know if you could see it. Oh, I have that pattern, McCall yeah. 7100? Uh-huh. 7100, yeah. Oh, it's like a bomber jacket? Mm-hmm. And I got a baby sequence uh, to make that jacket for her. I'm going to put the regular rib knit here, here, and around the waist, but, and of course around the collar, but the jacket is going to be that baby sequence. You know, because sequence is very popular right now, so I just said, Oh, yeah. You know, it's Christmas time, I'll do another sequence something. Nice. Yeah. I have a plan to do the same. It's not a baby sequin, but it's it's a gold sequin, and I have that same pattern. And I was thinking that would be perfect for for a sequin bomber jacket because I need one, huh, Lori? Well, yeah, I have that you've fur got your one, but I need one, which is amazing. <laughs> right. and- you know, there's also that so frosting challenge that's out there. Yeah, uh, I have the loot from closet case, and you know, I think it was just this morning that I saw someone published a blog post uh, where she had made a sequined. Uh, it was a Vanessa Pouzet eagle jacket with this sort of flowy, it's a little bit more open, but yeah. but she made it sporty looking by instead of having uh, patches, like plain patches on the shoulders, she put uh, uh, sporty striped ribbing and mm-hmm. she also put striped mm-hmm. ribbing around it. So it's kind of half bomber, half flowing jacket, but it's in sequins. And yeah, so that seems to be a thing. And I bought crazy gold quilted lame fabric when I was with you, Helena, and I blame you. I blame your terrible influence on me. (laughs) I I have gold quilted lame fabric in my, in my stash now, but that the intention was to do a bomber jacket with that. So it's that combination of the sporty and the glamorous, which I think Mm -hmm. is kind of nice and wearable. I like that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. you could wear that in, in regular life. You could totally wear that to class, oh, Lori. Yeah. I blame you, you. I blame you, Helena. <laughs> you had to bring something fabulous home from L.A., yes, obviously. Yes, I sure did. So. A whole suitcase full of fabulous things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's so funny that, yeah, that we're making the same thing. Sonetta, you will get yours done. I've been planning this for quite a while, so I can't wait to see yours, and I'll, I'll use it as more yeah, of a blueprint. My daughter is really excited about it. You know, who wouldn't be excited? Somebody's sewing for them all the time. Right? <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, my daughters, they don't, they don't love it. They don't. I think it's because I don't give them free reign. I don't. I'm like, I'm making you this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they are so specific now that they, they don't get the creative uh, juice out of it. Because I want the creative part. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> but part. you got to let them participate because then they'll take ownership. I have to learn that. Oh, I know. Exactly. <laughs> well, my, yeah, my older daughter is sewing for herself now. Mm-hmm. So she, she can take total ownership of it. And then, um, and then she could ignore my advice mm-hmm. like I ignored my mm-hmm. mom's advice. And it's, it's like full circle. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. And then, yeah, we can ask her what her advice is for her younger sewing selves in in, uh, 30 years. (laughs) 
Well, Sonetta, I feel like you've inspired me to, you know, maybe not only start a new sewing club here in Toronto, but I might also start attending church again, too, just to have, you know, somewhere to wear some fancy clothes. Okay. Uh, and it's yeah, it's just been so great to talk to you today. And I feel like we could go on and on. I mean, we've already spent quite a I bit know. of time, but this is so fun. Really, really fun. Thank so you for fun. joining us. Oh, for sure. It is my pleasure. I've enjoyed every moment of it. Anything about sewing, I could just talk forever, you know, about it because I truly, truly love it. I I do. And um, anybody that's interested or cares to listen, (laughs) I'll talk your ears off. (laughs) So the pleasure is all mine. Well, thanks again to both of you and have a lovely day and and best wishes with, with sewing. Okay, yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank so you. Much. much appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.